This is Jenny Weigel from Jenny.community. I've been friends with Pablo for many years since college. And when it comes to online communities, they've actually been around for brands for many, many years. And we're seeing such dynamic changes happening that if people don't educate themselves on what those are and the benefits they can bring to their business, they will be left behind. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means people are at their best when they are surrounded by a community of others with complementary skill sets that can leverage each other for a greater goal. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez, and together, we are here to prove that community creation is a secret weapon when it comes to business development and growing incredible businesses. I'll be bringing you world-class pioneers in the fields of sales, marketing, and relationship building to teach you the latest cutting-edge plays for category design, demand generation, community management, networking, building influence, and leadership all the skills you'll need to unite clients, team members, and partners under one mission and build a community to propel your career or company to unthinkable results. Now, I don't have to tell you that I would love to hear from you and anything that you need to get a hold of me is in the show notes in whatever app you're listening to right now. So just buckle in if you believe in the power of community. If you believe that relationships are more valuable than transactions. If you're interested in learning the playbook of the most forward-thinking, most innovative, most emotionally intelligent business leaders out there today, all you got to do is hit that subscribe button right now, get ready for an awesome conversation, and let's get Connected. Welcome back to the B2B Community Builder Podcast. Today I am particularly excited because I'm on this is I think this is the fourth time we talked, Jenny, since we since we got back at college. Yeah, it's a number of times now. All has been fun. <laughs> this has been great. This has been great. We are today talking to my friend Jenny Weigel, who built her first community when she was nine years old. Fast forward to today, and she has made a career out of building communities. Her consulting practice. Jenny.community specializes in creating community strategy plans for brands that are new to the community management space. And she's done this for companies such as REI, Google, Pinterest, Sephora, and more. And the way that I met Jenny was in college. Jenny was out of, you know, I was super Mr. Frat guy and I lived in a fraternity house and, you know, everybody has girlfriends and whatnot. And Jenny was like the coolest girl that anybody that we knew that anybody dated. And she kind of like became like our like big sister, mother, house friend. And, you know, it's been 10 plus years that we talk. All of a sudden I get a promo ad for speaking at the CMX summit. And Jenny comes out of nowhere. She's like, oh my God, you're in my field. And I had no idea that there was a field in community. And lo and behold, Jenny's been a part of it for 11 years, doing it at a really, really high level. So this thing that I've been evangelizing in, all of a sudden I found that I have like a really true blue ally that I can trust and I can collaborate with. And I think that Jenny and I are going to do a bunch of collaborations. And without further ado, Jenny Weigel, 
welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. <laughs> and good to see you, Pablo. First off, I can't wait to hear you speak at the CMX uh, Rise Summit. And second, I'm so grateful that we met all those years ago at the University of Florida. Yeah. And look where it has led us. Yeah. Look where it has led us. What a smile. Like you're now in LA. I'm now closer to UF than I've ever lived in my life, right? Because I'm in Jacksonville. But thank you, internet, for this wonderful like occurrence. And you know, Jenny, I I I want to get back. So, you know, being totally transparent, we tried doing this interview. We had some technical difficulties, but we were starting to talk about something really, really interesting. And it's this idea of a fraternity in college and how I was like fully bought into this idea and you started breaking down kind of like how it correlates to now, right? Like, can we, can we hop back into that conversation? (laughs) Absolutely. All right. If I remember correctly, I think we were starting to talk about why people join online or well, any community, sorry, not just online, any community in the first place. And I think I was starting to quiz you about why you decided to join your fraternity. So yeah, let's go back into that. So Pablo, I invite you to step back in time, put yourself in the sh- in your shoes of freshman Pablo at the University of Florida. What is what is going through your mind? What are you feeling right now as you're making the decision to to rush and and join a fraternity? What's happening with you? Yeah, um, I remember that first week of school. UF is this like sixty thousand person campus. There's probably like a forty five thousand person campus back then. I was new to town. I didn't know anybody, right? I was totally intimidated and I'm a super social person. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go check out this Rush thing. I'm going to go get some free food, which was Rush is like the visiting house to house and and different different fraternities to see who you like the best and you know whatever. It's like a bunch of dudes picking up dudes, which I really like as well. And and I and as I started going from house to house, I just kind of started taking inventory of man, this is this is a way to plug in, right? Like this is at at, at first I kind of wanted to I wanted it to help me be more popular. And as I went from house to house, it was one of these things is like, man, I feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I belong there. I want to belong here. And, and eventually the kind of the, the pitch was more, Hey, you, we provide access to things was kind of what ended up sticking with me, which is why I ended up joining. All right. So if I'm hearing correctly, some of the key things you were mentioning there were an interest in making new connections, people people like you, people with similar interests, a sense of belonging, and then a level of access that comes with, whether that's access to the alumni or special perks that maybe the, the fraternity would get on campus or doors it would open for you. Did I capture all that? correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like the the access thing was very much this idea of like I can tell you what classes how to how to get the classes you want. It was like I'm running for student body president next semester and I need a Hispanic guy to be my campaign manager. True story, right? Like George Kramer and I was his campaign manager. So it was it was that type of stuff. It was like access to opportunities that I didn't know that I didn't know existed. Oh, and unique experiences. All right. Well, here, connections, belonging, access, unique experiences. So, Pablo, this is a great example of of why people join any kind of community, why they go out of their way to to seek something so that they get these things and, and feel the feelings you were talking about. And that's not just happening for a social reason anymore. That's also happening with brands that people want to connect with. Uh, people maybe are a big fan of a certain brand and they want a deeper connection to that brand. 
they want a sense of belonging with other fans of that brand. They want access in some way to some to something, maybe unique products or, or a special products, exclusive products. And then they want a unique experience with a, that brand. And that is what has built the field that I work in right now is building enterprise brand communities. And it's pretty neat because back in those UF days, I never would have thought that my job would be to build community, but heck, I'm, I'm here for it. And it's it's pretty exciting. And yeah, it's a whole new field of practice this day. It's a growing field. There are now specific software systems designed just for online communities. And that's what I hope to help educate your audience on today is a little bit more about enterprise brand communities in general. But you, you are the shining example of why, why people join communities in the first place. Listen, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, Jenny. I don't know how much, I don't know how deep we went back in those days. Honestly, I don't know how deep I was back in those days. To be how deep honest. were any of us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I was a pretty, pretty shallow human being. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that's pretty normal. I've, I've really realized that my, my life has been driven by this like sense of belonging, right? Like this idea that I'm the most American person in my family, that my formative memory is joining preschool and being the only kid that didn't speak English. And then learning English, moving to Spain and joining a British school where I didn't speak British English or Spanish, Spanish from Spain. And, mm-hmm. and, and I realized that that's like, you know, that that's, what's made me this person. That's always like, Oh, new person. I want to be your friend and I want you to fit in and, and whatever. Do, do you have any kind of, do you have any kind of like aha moments of, of being somebody that either sought belonging or sought to help people belong? Well, I think it has to do with the fact that I am a big extrovert. Uh, and so from an early age, the household that I grew up in was very active in that my my parents each come from uh, a big family. So I had lots of aunts and uncles, and they were also always gathering and hosting things at our house. So there were always people around for a family function or friends around for something. My parents loved hosting social events or celebrating someone's baptism, communion, engagement, wedding, anniversary. And so I got used to being around people a lot of people uh, for a lot, uh, a long time. And, and also then it made me really, then I realized when I was by myself, I was a little bored. I also realized that I was feeding off the energy of, of others. So then it became this period in my life as I started to get into grade school, where I constantly sought a sense of belonging, but also just a sense of being with a group of people to get, uh, that little bit of a, energy kick off of, which is why I became a compulsive joiner and joined just about every club I could fit into my schedule up through high school. And even at the University of Florida, I was probably stretching myself a little thin, but that's where I think it it stems from is that those experiences in childhood uh, where I had such positive experiences in groups that I felt like I belonged uh, at every family function that, that was held. And I just wanted to recreate that in some way as I continued on with my life. That makes sense. And and I do remember, you know, like I remember meeting your siblings and I know that you come from a big family and you know, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so we both come from a big family. We're both extroverts, right? So makes, makes a lot of sense in that regard. Quick kind of like side path before we get into this branded community stuff that I really want to dive into, but are communities only for extroverts or is there, is there a place for the introvert? 
there is a place. There is a place for the introvert. And I don't want anyone to get discouraged if you're an introvert listening to this. In fact, I was just reading an article recently how some introverts make the best community managers because of their skill set. So maybe there are certain things that might lead extroverts into this field that I, I work in or not even working in or just you know being maybe some extroverts might be part of more online communities than other people or even more in real life communities. But there's definitely uh, room and welcoming for, for introverts and there are communities for introverts. So it's not limited. So Jenny, so we're, we're talking about kind of, we're talking about these like in-person communities, right? Fraternities, clubs at school. What point, at what point do you graduate into community as an enterprise model or for these like big companies like Salesforce that you've worked with and Kronos that you've worked with, right? Like at what point did you kind of like step into that role? Let's see. So my career after the University of Florida started with some marketing roles and uh, when I was back in Tampa, I quickly started to realize there was this thing that was up and coming called social media that was changing how some businesses were using the website or uh, their website, the internet, just a number of different digital assets. And I remember working for a company thinking, We've got to we've got to get on top of this. We've got to start a blog. We've got to start using social media accounts for business purposes. I made a pitch about it. The company did not want to pursue it at that time because it was the impression that it would all be a fad. I knew right then and there I was going to have to take it on myself to educate myself in that field. And in doing so, I was able to get a killer job at careerbuilder.com in Chicago. And that was my first real job in this space as the social media and community manager at career builder and the first one they ever had and this was this was pretty pretty pivotal both for the company because they'd never had somebody in that role before and for me because I had been a self-taught and just something in me knew that the future of my field was going to be dependent on this and if I didn't have these skills and start working in the area of social media marketing or communities or so forth, then I would fall behind. And I'm so glad I did. So essentially I started off like many people in my field in social media communities, but now I have a more narrow focus with enterprise brand communities. All right. So what's the difference between an enterprise brand community and a social media community? Talk to me about that. Sure. Social media communities are what you might be familiar with when you're following a Twitter account, a Facebook page, an Instagram account, where it's mostly the owner of that account or that brand kicking off the conversations and people commenting on whatever they have posted. So Pablo, on your Instagram, only you can post something on your Instagram account and your followers can comment and then they can start conversations within that comment thread amongst themselves if they wish, but they can't come onto your account and kick off that conversation. So that's the one-to-many aspect of the conversation. And so your followers are, are waiting to hear from you in that regard. The brands that and communities that I work with are set up in a way where their users can connect with one another in a forum-like setup, but sometimes it's not a forum. And essentially, they're not waiting for the brand to kick off a conversation. The Any user can go on and post a question and start commenting and then talking throughout the thread and maybe starting their own side conversation. So I think that's the big difference there is that social media is still a, a one-to-many while these these brand communities are peer-to-peer. Love it. And I like how you're saying kind of the delineation is in one, 
there is a singular person that controls the whole narrative and people have to wait for that person, that, that brand, whatever it is to kind of like post something to be able to react. You said something, they're not, you know, in the, in the communities that you manage, they are not waiting for you to kick it off. It is like you empower people to share and start those conversations. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? That's correct. These brand communities have created a digital space. Usually it's something connected to their website where their users can come on and start a conversation, start a thread, and they're not waiting on the brand to do so. So that fosters a lot of of connections and discussions just happening organically in the community where a community member has a question, oh, I can go into the community and, and type it right now. And the brand might not even answer. In fact, it's quite most uh, common that it's a peer that answers in, in brand communities when they're set up correctly. And so that is a different dynamic. When users know that they can go on anytime and start a conversation and start connecting with people, then you're going to see things that happen uh, a little differently in a brand community than what you're seeing with social media, again, where users are waiting for the, the brand or person they're following to kind of kick off the conversation. So what kind of what kind of stuff happens differently? Like what's the magic? What's the magic that happens when that happens? Right? Cuz you know, as a as a brand, I would imagine that you're thinking, "Well, if I let this happen, then I run the risk of somebody putting in something I don't like as opposed to me being able to vomit out all the things I do like." What is why is it worth it? Like what's what's the magic that happens when you allow other people to control some of the narrative? A number of different things. So let's say that you're a brand with a a product and you're expecting your users to be able to use the product. Community members can come on and ask questions, uh, get clarification on things, which will help them from a support perspective, but will also help your users start adopting other features of your product. And heck, they might have some grand ideas for your product or service. Uh, And again, by having that community set up the way it is, you know, inviting them to come and just share their ideas, post them, maybe you even have a formal idea exchange where people can vote on them. That's some magic happening that is not on a social media account that that needs to be set up specifically in a brand account. And then you've just got people who might even, you know, in a community realize that they are a a sub-community. So for example, the Sephora community, which I have worked with in the past, is a thriving and robust community with many different sections to it. One of those sections is all about skincare. So if your big focus is either working in skincare or you just are a big fan of lots of skincare products, uh, you can just go to that section of the community and focus on the conversations there and contribute to them, answer questions, or just sit back and observe. And so that's some of the behaviors that we, we see in brand communities today. Awesome. So it's the, it's the segmentation where people can actually like niche into things, the suggestions from the audience, right? Like the things that you don't know, you don't know, start coming into your awareness. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen like a really great idea, like a really great gener? I'm not even gonna say revenue generating. I'm just saying, I would say path changing idea, get crowdsourced from a community. Yes. In fact, the Salesforce community, they have said before that thousands of their product enhancements have come out of their trailblazer community. Because usually it's usually when people are contributing ideas, and stuff, it's more about making certain features and functionality uh, a little bit better. And yes, maybe someone will have some great product idea. But again, it's all about, you know, what the brand chooses to, to implement. So just because people post their ideas on brand communities doesn't mean it's going to get implemented. 
how do you with the companies that you work with like how do you make it easy to listen right like i would imagine that when the community's small it's kind of easy to listen to and at some point it gets to a certain size and it's like this like cacophony of stuff where you're just you know people are talking cool i'm going to let that i'm going to let that ride but how do you kind of like find ways to key into what really matters and 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 how do you how do you enable the feedback mechanism from community well, good question, Pablo. I'm hearing two things out of this, kind of how, how are you processing all the, the content? And then specifically, what do you do with the feedback? So I'm going to address that in those two areas, if you don't mind. Yes, when you, when you start getting thousands and thousands of people in your community, it is important to have some kind of a, a system with the right analytics that will help you understand the trends that are happening. So there's a couple vendors out there that do that today. So if you're talking to any kind of software platform, ask them what their capability is for analyzing those trends because once you get to a certain point it's it's, it's going to be very very difficult so from a content perspective i'd say you know a platform with strong analytics is going to help you understand what is being talked about the most but another way that i see clients really understand what content is important is they might have a subgroup of their community called their vips or their ambassadors usually made up of the most active users and a lot of my clients will have regular meetings with these groups and kind of rely on this subgroup that's really tapped into the activity to inform them of some of the major pieces of content, major trends, major sentiments being discussed in the community. So that's a little bit on the content side. Now, the feedback side, the best situation, in my opinion, is, is if you can get your product team involved. So it's not the, just the community manager or the community team running a section that, that might take in feedback, like an idea exchange, but a collaboration with the product team, I think is something that's really key for a robust feedback section. And if you are going to have an open feedback section, transparency is key. A feedback and idea section can be one of the greatest tools on your community, but it can also be one of the worst areas because if you are not updating the status of those ideas and if you're not getting back to people and you're not saying why this was created, but this wasn't, your community members will notice and pretty soon traffic in that area will drop. And if it looks like a dead zone in your community eventually, that's not going to be a good sign. So I suggest creating a collaboration with your product team on the best way to dedicate a space of your community for feedback, for ideas, for suggestions. And then what's going to be the process on the back end of that? How are you going to keep up with those? How are they going to be relayed to product? And then how do you uh, become transparent in your responses to people so that they know they're being listened to and this isn't just some digital space built for nothing? Oof. That was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Okay, so that's listening. So that's feedback. I love it. Transparency is key. Kind of, you know, it kind of sounds like 
it's basically just online relationship building at scale, right? Like this is a, a good leader of a company does this with their with their employees. A good head of household is doing this or letting everybody know kind of like what role they serve, why their feedback is taken or not taken. They're implementing suggestions and sometimes they're telling them, nah, it's like this, right? Like it's that's kind of what it takes to run a, a branded online community as well, right? I think you're spot on, Pablo. And I like to use the comparison that a community manager is the host of a party. And so you're expecting a lot of different people in your home. They might be hanging out in different rooms, having different experiences in each one. They might all be coming for different reasons. And, you know, if you're a good host slash community manager, you're going to be welcoming people as they arrive. You're going to be showing them around. They get the the lay of the land and know where everything is. You're going to be introducing them to other attendees to your party. And there are going to be some people who are going to be more social than others. And Pablo, I feel like that would be you and I. Uh, And there are other people who might feel comfortable standing to the side a little bit till they get a more, just a little more comfortable in the scene. And again, a community manager and host has really got to be on top of all of this, watching what's happening to make sure everyone continues to feel welcome, engaged, inviting them to participate in different things you might have set up for the party And uh, I I love that analogy. I think that is really spot on to the work I used to do as a community manager and to the work my clients are doing today. Yeah, that's perfect. What kind of, talk to me about when you, when you started doing this like 10 years ago and you were on the social media thing, like it was, it basically was social media tools. I mean, am I mistaken? Like, was it just kind of like forums? And I guess if I was just to say this succinctly, right what has changed right like what what how how much has it evolved the ability to like run this stuff the availability to to do this for not just salesforce but for like joe's barbershop kind of like what how how much easier has it gotten and can you kind of talk us through that yeah in fact a common misconception about the field of community management is that it is very new. And actually it's been around for 20 plus years. There were people doing online communities and running them and managing them. It just wasn't as mainstream. I think of Patrick O'Keefe, who is a strategist and consultant in this space, who's been running a karate forum for more than 20 years now. And so what has happened, it's become more mainstream and there's become more tools available to help people create these online communities. So with the birth of certain software systems for to satisfy like the enterprise community need, even when Facebook created Facebook groups, and that was a free area for community. And that was an opportunity for like Joe's Barbershop and a lot of small businesses and independent consultants to just kind of create their own, their own forum-like atmosphere in a Facebook group. If you ever think about it, you know, Facebook groups look different for a reason because just the UI and the dynamics of people communicating in this way are going to be different than when you're communicating with, again, a one-to-many social media account. So we've seen more tools. We've seen in the evolution of this field, there become more distinct roles in it. So the community manager was kind of always that role of somebody who was the visionary person also carrying out the operations. And now we are starting to see more roles, especially at the enterprise level. So maybe a community director, VP of community, or the most coveted title, in my opinion, chief community officer. I really love companies that have dedicated that title and to someone and said, you're going to be our chief community officer, and they're making it public. 
Then there's also community analysts and there's community operations is a growing sub area of this field. And uh, there's the role of moderator, which is so key and important. Also a great stepping stone into this area. If you're just trying to like, again, dip your feet in the water and see if you like community management, a moderator role would be great for you. What's the, what's the game plan for a chief community officer? Like what, what role do they serve? Like if you were, if you were named chief community officer of Salesforce tomorrow, what would you, what would you get going doing? What would you do? Like what, what would be the dream role for that? And like its functions and your objectives, like what would you be trying to do? Well, first off, I would get clear on what I define as community. Is community just the customers of my company or is the community customers plus the fans plus the potential prospects out there? So what does community mean? And then I would want to conduct some focus groups, get some surveys done, find out what is important to this group. What do, what do they value most in using my company's products and services and what will entice them to use more of it? What are they looking for out of using our products and services? Would they take the time to connect with other users? And if so, what would incentivize them to do so? And then once I've got some some qualitative and quantitative research around that, I would develop a strategic plan with programming uh, initiatives, events, both digital and in real life. And all around satisfying those users based off of the research that came in. That's a very quick response, yeah. but yeah, I think it yeah. all comes down ultimately to just defining community, hearing from your community, spending some time listening and, and then executing on a plan. So if I were to boil the very simplistic answer down to it, it sounds like you would figure out what's important to people, figure out a way that they can interact with each other in order to find what's important and to iterate onto what's important to them and then continue to do so. Is that just kind of it? it yeah, absolutely. But I'd say the biggest chunk of that is the listening piece. I would say spend more time listening yeah. than any other piece of that. And, yeah. and, and then hopefully you will be setting yourself up for success, but that's what I have seen work. Yeah. And, and as, and as you're like saying all this stuff, this is, this is really, to me, just the most advanced form of corporation to client communication, right? Like it's basically listening at scale, right? If that's because because you keep on going back to listening and to contributing very little and letting other people contribute. So it really is mostly about listening, which is kind of what communication is all about, right? Absolutely. Some people are saying that a branch of this is what is now known as C2C marketing, customer to customer marketing. You know, the, the brand is out of it. The customers are talking to each other and hopefully they're having a positive experience in doing so. Where does, where does the community initiative fit into the company? Like, is it, is it in marketing? Is it in sales? Is it in customer success? Is it in operations? Like what, where, where should it kind of like, what should feed it? What should it feed? Is it its own pillar? How does it interact with other pillars? Great question, Pablo. And the answer is, it's everywhere today. There's not necessarily a consistency to it. There are a lot of communities based under support slash customer service, a lot of them based under marketing. There are communities based under product. In my personal opinion, I believe that communities uh, should be their own department and the head of the community should report to the CEO. That is a wish list. There are people out there making that happen today in certain companies and wearing the title of VP of community direct directly reporting right to the CEO. But one of the reasons I believe that that is so strong is that if you 
put the company under marketing. There are certain things expected out of the marketing department. And yes, the community can benefit marketing, but it can benefit so many other areas as well. And I worry that just keeping a community under one area, like marketing in this example, would hinder it from being able to prove its value uh, when it comes to product innovation, when it comes to helping out to lower support ticket. And that's why I think, again, it should be standalone. It's a a report directly to the CEO. And it's like this hub and spoke thing. Community serves just about every area of a company. So it does make sense to me right now to, to sit it under one department, but to sit it on its own, that could be magical. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I agree. I think the, I think the companies that have created this direct reporting structure are the ones that are able to implement the best, right? Because if you have your own standalone community person reporting to the CEO, then the CEO can digest that information and be like, all right, sales, you need to do this. A customer success, you need to do that. Product, why haven't we been thinking about this, right? So it's like giving it all the way to the top to the person that has the most visibility and then allowing them to just kind of like spread that around based on strategy, right? Because at the end of the day, community should be informing strategy. It could be informing a lot of things, but in an enterprise situation for enterprise brands, if it's not actually fulfilling business goals as well, you might not have a community very long. And think about the message that sends to Pablo when a CEO has designated community standalone with, again, somebody head of community reporting right up to him or her. And that says to the company, you know, how important the community is. That is a strong message sent internally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of like separating two different things, right? Like community is important standalone because it can feed a lot of things. My experience is what you just said. If it doesn't feed some kind of business goal, it's not going to last very long, right? Like it's got to have some kind of contribution to the bottom line or else they're going to start looking at you real funny the moment that cash flow ties up. Ding, 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 ding. You got it, Pablo. That is the key. That's where you start, honestly. Like when you think, I want to create a community for for my company and, oh my gosh, I know I can make it great. I want to be a community manager. If you don't first set those goals to align with the business goals, you're not going to get very far. Brilliant. That's awesome. So what are the other, what are the other kind of goals that you can align community to? I know that you, I know that there's, there's uh, a couple of different frameworks. You want to just kind of talk us through the different other goals or all the goals in general, right? Sure. I love using this model from called the spaces model that um, referencing from a book called the business of belonging by David Spinks. And I think that this is a really easily digestible way of understanding all the different kinds of goals you could have in a community. So spaces stands for something, each letter stands for something different here, starting with support. If your goal is around support, then you're most likely utilizing the community to try to lower support costs in some way, or increase NPS scores or CSAT scores, increase client satisfaction. Again, when it comes to that customer service lens. So that's the first one in the spaces model. And the second one is around product. We've mentioned the importance of feedback and ideas. And so that's why some companies have a product-driven community, meaning that they are relying on their community members to give them feature requests, to help them figure out what's going to be next on their product roadmap, to evaluate and review ideas. And yeah, so lots of different 
things you can do with product, but really a product community, the goal is usually around innovation and implementation of innovation. And usually you'll see communities with an idea exchange who are product focused. Like I, I've heard the Salesforce Trailblazer community and a very active and thriving ideas section of that community. The next area in the spaces model, acquisition. So for some people, it's important to utilize the community for leads and business opportunities. And this is where it has a marketing benefit to it. And a good example here, when your goal is around acquisition, is I like to think of the CMX community. We mentioned this towards the beginning of the call, you know, and if, for those of you who don't know, CMX is a membership organization for community managers, incredibly valuable, lots of great resources for any, actually any community professional. And they are owned by a company called Bevy, which is a software company. And I mean, I, I do not work with either of those, so I can't speak, but I can speculate that Bevy probably utilizes the CMX community for leads in some way or for opportunities. So I'm sure that benefits their sales team. For sure. All right. So support product acquisition so far. Staying with me here, Pablo? I'm with you. Support product acquisitions. C. Contributions. There are certain communities where the expectation is that you're not just going to join, but you are welcome to uh, and invited to contribute and build something together. And this is where I think of GitHub, actually, an open source community where developers can post their code and other developers can come in and build on that code and iterate and so forth. And so they are really, truly creating something together. And that's an example of a contribution community where that the goal is really focused around that. Moving on to the next letter, E for engagement. Now, an engaged community is one where you are working to set up unique experiences for your users, at, at, whether that be setting up like a, you know, weekly discussions or digital events or AMA sessions, any, anything that's going to get people to engage. And you should never expect hundred percent of your community to engage with you, but you want to do what you can to incentivize as many people as possible to engage in those conversations, to join those digital events, to to keep coming back and liking things and commenting on things and replying to things. So when the focus is on engagement, you usually see communities that have a lot of different programming or events geared toward their community. And again, I think of the Sephora community. Uh, they have a lot of opportunities there and thriving and active and robust conversations happening on that community. So lots of opportunities for engagement. Okay. And what's the last S? The last factor in the spaces model, S is for success. And this is where you're setting up a community that is going to help your customers be more successful. So in a way, this actually might be a combination of the number of other areas that we have mentioned, but ultimately I see a lot of things on these communities that help retain customers. So lots of information, lots of information about products, about product adoption, even just strategic advice. So, you know, it helps to have your customers get that tactical how-to information, but if you can help them take a step back and be a little bit more strategic in how they're working with your brand, those are some really valuable conversations to be part of and to highlight on a community. So success communities, again, are all around the goal of, of trying to enable customer success in various ways. So support, product, acquisition, C was for contribution, engagement, and success. That's six, yeah. right? Six pieces. Yes. 
sounds like they don't all have to be independent. Sounds like one thing can bleed into another, or is it usually like a siloed thing or, you know, have you, have you seen people combine this really well? I have seen people combine this really well. They could start focusing on one and actually that is suggested. So if you're just starting a community, I would really put your focus and attention on one of these areas to begin. But after a community has been live for maybe six six months to a year and you feel a little bit more mature, then you can branch out into serving one of these other goals. And I've seen a lot of success with that. Okay. So it sounds like it might be the same forum, but you're like incentivizing different behaviors and gathering different data that then you can go back to like collate and incentivize something else. Is that kind of how it works? If you're kind of moving from one to another? Yeah. I mean, you start with one as your use case and your goal and you plan out the communities, again, activities and events based on that. When you're ready to add a new goal or a new one of these areas of the spaces model, you do have to take into account how people have already been using the community. So if they've been using it for support questions and getting customer service things answered, will they still participate if you add an idea exchange and now you want to get feedback from them or ideas from them? So you should definitely be strategic if you're going to expand your, your goals, but utilize your current analytics and your success stories to make the decision on whether or not you think you will find success in expanding to another goal. Awesome. All right. You ready to give me some free consulting advice then? Of course. Yeah. All right, cool. The longest running community that I have created for a client, right? Like, I don't know how much, I feel like I've told you a little bit about my business model, right? But I, I kick off these online talk shows that serve as like the foundational element where you are, they're mostly designed to drive engagement and acquisition, right? Like we're, we're having clients interview people that they want to do business with and want to be known with in front of people that they're doing business with and want to do business with, and then repurpose the content, the content, a bunch of ways that drives into a Facebook group where everybody can kind of gather around. And now like, if it's, if you're flying, you know, we got like 3000 people in this one community. So if you're like just joining and you ask, Oh my God, what does JWB do? You get like 25 responses of like, they're the best. Or if you are joining, joining to the call and they are basically like wondering whether they should invest in this company, there's like 15 people that are like, Oh my God, these people are the greatest. And like, it's live there and it's all happening. And you can ask the founder a question, right? So beyond that, we haven't really evolved it very much outside of the prototypical kind of like engagement post inside the Facebook group to be like, so what's your favorite kind of book or whatever, right? Like just kind of like open-ended engagement groups. And it's worked really, really well for acquisition and engagement. How would you, you know, we have this 3000 person Facebook group. We have this like critical capacity of people that show up for a call every single week, twice a week. And we're looking for ways to make it better, right? Like we're looking for for ways to either drive up the acquisition and engagement or expand into other things. And this is a company that does real estate investing, right? So it's like they do turnkey rental property investing. Kind of what would you if I had like hired you on to be like, all right, what's what's our next step here in this in this in this community? What would your questions be? The first thing I'd want to do is say, can I interview five or six members of this community and people who are at different activity levels? So I'd want to interview somebody who is extremely active. And I'd also want to interview someone who 
maybe just joined, they're new. So maybe they've got a post or two up, but like somebody who's pretty new. So I want to ask them about what becoming acquainted with this community, what onboarding has been like for them. Maybe someone who's been around for at least a year, semi-active. So you kind of, you know, want to define these different levels of activity. And then, and then I'd say, you know, let me interview them. Let me find out why they come to the community. What days of the or times of the day, excuse me, are they coming? Uh, and what do they enjoy the most about it? What do they find themselves participating in the most? What would they like to see? What would make them come back more? And even that kind of a qualitative interview, five or six people is going to give you so many insights into how people are using the community today and what more they want from it. And it's much better than just kind of guessing and adjusting your strategic plan to that. Having having that insight is going to guide you into seeing future success and serving that community. It also sends a really strong message when you are reaching out to them to involve them and say, hey, we are looking to grow this. And your feedback is going to be critical. Like, would you would you give us a little bit of your time? So that goes a really long way with your members. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So, okay, do you have do you have any kind of like tips on how do I engage somebody that's been around for like three months but isn't very active? Like, what's the what's the move there? Yeah. Oh, uh, so in my area we call those lurkers, oh. and it'd be great if people learn to love lurkers. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, <laughs> um, and here's why. Lurkers are essential to any online community. You are never going to have a community where 100% people are engaging all the time. It's always going to be a range of people from lurking to like occasionally contributing to frequently contributing, right? But the majority of your audience is still going to be lurkers. Now, why do we love our lurkers? Well, those people who are contributing and are writing responses and answering questions, they're doing it so that somebody out there can take that information in so they can read it. Guess what? That's your lurkers. If your lurkers are still proving to come back and sign back in and return to the community, you're doing things right because maybe they don't want to engage. Maybe they don't want to talk and that's okay, but they still feel loyal in some way. You've set things up so that they can come and get their answers. So they keep returning. So that's key there. I was reading, um, I think it's in David's book, the same book I mentioned, the business of belonging. He mentions an example of someone, a community manager who held a love our lurkers week. And during that week, they specifically targeted the lurkers audience and did certain things and posed certain questions to inspire them that that group to do a little bit more. Again, with the understanding, you're never going to get 100% of lurkers being active, but it, it worked. And they did see an uptick in, in that audience starting to engage a little bit more. And I just thought that was a really unique plan to have a week dedicated to this audience. That is so key for taking in all the great information that's being put out there by your other members. That was definitely in David's book. Cause when you started talking about, it, I was like, Oh yeah, I love your lurkers week. I got to do something like that. That was yes. such a good idea. Right. And yes, that's, that's pretty kind of like constant in everything. Right. Like I found as somebody that publishes a lot of content, I know that there is a group of people that comment on all my stuff. There's a group of people that comment every once in a while on stuff. And then there's a huge group of people that every six months or so hit me up with a text like, oh my God, that was awesome. And I'm like, I didn't even know you're on social media, brah. You know, like, so, so there is, there, there is this like large contingency of people that don't engage that are engaged. Right. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. Just because they're not posting a reply maybe liking something you posted doesn't mean they're not going and sharing that advice in a team meeting. Like I just found this out through the community and now we have our solution. I mean, you don't, we don't know, but that's why we still got to love our lurkers. Yeah, totally. And there's something like, there's this guy called Chris Walker that he refers to it to it as the dark funnel, right? Like it's this like thing that marketing can't measure, but the propensity for someone to take a clip of you saying something really smart about loving your lurkers and posting it into their Slack group with their marketing team of like, this is an idea that then leads back to them trying it, failing, and three months later, reaching out to you, Jenny, to help them implement a, a, a strategy like that is a really, really powerful tool. I wouldn't call it a tool. It's a very powerful force that if you can systemize it, it creates compounding effects of like good things happening. But if you do it every once in a while, it doesn't happen. And to me, community is that thing that you invest in that is the formulate compounding effect of these serendipitous things in the dark funnel that can continue to happen because you're enabling it more and more. And it's like word of mouth enablement, right? Exactly. And Pablo, I know what an extra extrovert you are and involved in lots of different communities, both in real life and Jacksonville, I'm sure online. And in all the things you're involved in, uh, are would you say that you're a lurker in some areas, or are yeah. are you like go 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 in all of them? <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely a lurker, right? Like I definitely don't have time to respond to all the things that I see, exactly. but just kind of scrolling through my feed, right? It's kind of top of top of mind. People get a phone call from me more often, right? And like if you're if you're in front of me providing some kind of value, or at least showing up, right? Like. If if you're if you're in the same room that I've been in five times and I haven't talked to you, the fifth time I'm gonna be like, what's up? What's your deal? How can I help? But yeah, it's really just a matter of being present in, in certain things. And even me, who's a super extrovert, it will still, you know, I'm not gonna talk to you every single time. But then the moment if you're in front of me enough or like you have provided something that's valuable enough for me to value, then the moment that's something that I have to offer you or something that's to your benefit comes past my plate, you're going to be top of mind, right? Exactly. Again, you are a shining example of, <laughs> of you know, and again, this, this facet of community users that are, you know, still a big part of online communities, even though we wouldn't consider them like the power users. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We were kind of like talking pre-show about how all these social media influencers are like, oh, my community, this, my community, that. And I'm like, you don't really have a community. You just have like an audience, right? Like you got people following you. And, you know, we, we definitely bonded on that. What's, what is the difference between having an Instagram account and having a community or like, you know, having an audience and having a community? I like to use the definition from Carrie Melissa Jones, who is another community consultant, who's also co-authored a book, Building Brand Communities. And her definition of community is it's a space where people have mutual concern for each other. And I read that and some light bulbs went off because not only do they have mutual concern for each other, but in an online community space, they are willing to help one another. And, and there is a digital space for them to do so. So Pablo, in your Instagram account and your followers, I, you know, I'd say that a lot of them are following you because they're, they're interested in you. They've worked with you. You are that unifying tie between all of them that for some, however they met you or, or came across you or worked with you, they want to hear more from you. So they're, they're following, right? Oh. Do they necessarily have a, an opportunity, you know, a want to help each other 
or are they primarily there to learn from you? Now, if you built a, you know, a community uh, or if you utilize Facebook groups or something, you know, to, to dedicate a space where they could all come and talk to each other and help each other with mutual concerns, then we'd have a, a community. And, and again, this is just, this is kind of just the field's definition of community. A lot of people are using the word community as a buzzword in a lot of different ways today. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong in any capacity, but in the area that I work in, this is how it's regarded. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing you, Jenny, right? Like I, I don't do, I have, I have yet to do a good job of creating a space where my community exists, but I really go out of my way to, if you're commenting on something of my introducing you mutually, right? Like, so a lot, most people that are active in, in my content stream, I have introduced them to another person that's active in my content stream or active in my life because as, as a result, right? So I, I create one-to-one that like concern for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that in what you're saying, if you're a company, right, that space is really important because it's the moment when you are no longer seeing somebody in there and talking to them as much as saying, oh, this customer can answer your question over here. And, you know, like this customer can help your kid get into school. (laughs) Right. So, so it's like, it's like creating that level of care beyond whatever transaction is happening, you know, me to you, as opposed to what transaction or not even transaction can happen from you to somebody else that has, and I'm not even in the middle of it. I'm just kind of like that connection point of how you met. Right. Absolutely. And for some brands, an audience is going to work best. Other brands, a community is going to be a good fit. There are going to be times the community is not a good fit. Do you want me to go into one or two of those examples? Yeah, 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 please. So what I'm thinking of right off the top of my head is if a brand is not willing to dedicate a community manager and a dedicated person who is going to be the resource to to run, manage, handle the operations, handle the vision of the community, it's almost guaranteed that this thing is going to be a failure. So I would say, don't even try to start a community unless you have a dedicated community manager. And in that regard, maybe just that approach of utilizing social media channels, having that audience and helping the audience in the way you described that you do, that might be better for for the brand. So definitely first thing is community manager. Uh, The second thing where I see brands fail when it comes to online communities is not researching and not planning before they launch. So we talked about the importance of getting some some research, some information, whether that's quantitative or qualitative, conducting interviews with even just a handful of members is so key to giving you the insight you need to move forward with the launch of your community. And if you skip that step and you just go into launching something based off of what you think is going to work, you will run into many roadblocks down the way. Now, I'm not saying it won't be successful, but it is going to be more challenging than if you had done that work upfront. So the research and planning is so key. So let's see, that was community manager, research and planning, see other failures. You know, it's unfortunate when I do see it, but when there is not really executive buy-in for a community and executive level support, that makes it very hard for a community manager to do their job well, to implement all of the various ways that the community can benefit the company. And I really hope that that person has a champion at the executive level to, to support those endeavors. That was super valuable. That was, that was a nice little, like what else? And you gave me two golden nuggets, right? The audience versus community, 
being the community is a space where people have mutual concern for each other, and then how communities fail, whether they don't have a community manager, whether they don't have a plan and a strategy, and when they don't have executive buy-in. Really, really good. Yes. I'm sure there's many or more, but those three are key. So yeah. I'm going to release this. Like I said, you know, people are going to listen to this kind of right after my keynote for CMX Rise. What's They just listen to this. You, They're like, oh my God, Jenny is everything that I need for my company. I need to talk to her. She's super cool. Where do they find you? What's the next step to, to connect with you? Open up your web browser and go to jenny.community, not jenny.com. It is jenny.community. And you can contact me there, find out about past communities I've worked on, get all my social handles there to go to jenny.community. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast because Jenny and I are going to be collaborating on this stuff, right? Like we're going to we're gonna open up some space for Jenny to play around somewhere inside my content stream that we have yet to yet to figure out, but it's going to happen. So I'm really, really looking forward to these collaborations, Jenny. I, you know, I, I, there's this quote from the alchemist I say all the time. That's the universe conspires in favor of those following their dreams. And when you shot me that DM on Instagram, because you saw that thing about me speaking at CMX rise, I feel like it's like one of those moments, right? Like talk about somebody that I really, I'm super pumped to have back in my life, super, super aligned with what we're doing. And I'm just really, really grateful that we got to have this opportunity and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Pablo. I look forward to connecting with your your audience and to being on more. It'll be great. Let's go. All right, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you got a bunch of value out of it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me if you reached out to our guest and let them know what you learned, what you thought about it. Everything that you need to connect with them is gonna be in the show notes. And on top of that, Why don't you double up and reach out to me? I'd love to hear from you. It really is why I do this is so that I can meet awesome people. I would love to hear from anybody that you think should be on this podcast, including yourself, about how you build world-class relationships, how you create community, how you lead companies in this relationships over transactions methodology. And if you believe in that stuff, that is what we're doing at my company, Be The Stage. You can check it out at bethestage.live. But the Cliff Notes version is, we've learned that most companies know that they need to be making content and they know that they really want to drive a community. But where do you start with that stuff? The best way to start doing that is to create an internet talk show because it allows you to create a strategic relationship with a guest one-to-one while you create strategic relationships with the audience one-to-few And then when we repurpose the show for you and spread it out all over social media, you're creating relationships one to many. It is the ultimate relationship-driven growth engine to feed your entire pipeline, marketing team, and customer success. What companies call their go-to-market strategy can now be driven by community. If you're interested in that, go to bethestage.live, check it out, reach out to me. I would love to create an internet talk show just for you. Now, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to take a play out of the book of one of my heroes, Christopher Lockhead, the godfather of category design, co-author of my favorite business book, Play Bigger, and my favorite newsletter, Category Pirates, which I'm going to link in the show notes because I think you should subscribe. It's the smartest thing basically in the world. 
Anyways, at the end of his podcast, which is Follow Your Different, he always shouts out and gives a roll call to people that he thanks, and I want to do that too. I want to thank my team at Be The Stage. I want to thank JP, who is the editor of this content, the guy that makes all the cool micro content and makes everything look cool. Joanna, who distributes a lot of the stuff. She writes a lot of the descriptions. Nicola, who is... Uh, My buddy that I've been mentoring for a couple of years out of Bulgaria, a really bright 15-year-old kid that writes a lot of the captions on social media. Marge, who is always keeping track of everything. She is the executive assistant of the dreams that all come true. Gina, who is a world-class integrator. She is our COO. She is the one that is just making all the processes happen. Whenever I say something, she designs a way to make it happen. It's incredible. My business partner, Isar, who without him, none of this stuff could be possible. That guy is the best. He's got an awesome podcast. It's called the Business Growth Accelerator. You should totally check that out. I want to thank my parents. They're my inspiration. They're the best. My family. I love them to pieces. My wife, Marta, who is my muse and my inspiration for everything. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, go do it now. But before you do that, if you haven't checked out either episode seven or episode 69, those are my 2019 and 2020 last call tracks where I give this like rapping, talking, motivational speech over like a really cool beat. It's actually the beat that I have on this podcast right now that I had custom produced by my guy, Michael, out of Russia, who's a sick beat producer. Check that stuff out. That is the origin story of my business, the origin story of what I'm up to, and it's really what I am most proud of. Episode 7, episode 69 of this podcast. Hope to see you on the next one. Hit me up on social media. I love you. Don't forget, relationships over transactions, that is the way that you win. It's a long game. Human beings are happiest when they're in service, so serve others and you will be able to open any door that you ever wanted. Never forget that. If you don't know how to serve others, everybody needs an extra cheerleader, cheer for people, be invested in their future, see what you can do for them. It all comes back in the long run. I really hope you reach out to me. I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to help you achieve your dreams. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome rest of your day.